And we are back. Kevin Bowen in studio. Probably one of the earlier podcasts we've ever recorded. So <laughs> sorry about that, Chris and, and Cheeks in studio right now. Chris Presley, Evan Cox, taping over there. Looking good. And Indiana Sports Corp shirt. He'll be chiming in the Twitter questions. Um, early on a Tuesday morning, this will be our last podcast for at least some chunk of time. We'll see uh, the mind of its own for baby Bowen, boy or girl, whether they decide to come tomorrow on the due date or if they want to hold out till uh, till Monday for the induction action. Um, but yeah, the Colts offseason program has come to an end. It's crazy. Easily the wildest offseason in NFL history, I would say, non-lockout division. And all of a sudden, Frank Reich starts a Zoom call on Monday, and he's like, yeah, this will be the last time that I talk with you for a while. And I'm kind of like... Yeah, I guess that's right. This is like June 9th. This is typically when it ends. So um, we've got a wide range of topics that we'll get to today. Tons and tons of Twitter questions. Because this is the last podcast for a while, I wanted to hit on as many as possible. And we still have some left over. Um, How's the weekend, Chris? Good? Weekend was good. A uh, little little housewarming up in Frankfurt for, for some friends. So. Nice. The hot dogs. Frankfurt yeah. hot dogs. Yeah. Shout out. Good weekend, though, yourself? Not bad. Um, you just kind of stare at the clock, and you're like, "Are do we have everything ready? Are we ready to be a parent? Should we hold off on this parent thing? Like, you know, that's that's like right. kind of the conversation. I guess you can't really hold off at this point. Um, but, yeah, what, what did I do? Not much. It all blends together at this yeah, point, I Yeah, I was going to say, it's not like, oh, yeah, we went out to eat and then, you know, did this. <laughs> no, it's not really our lifestyle anymore. But, um, yeah, I think we're ready, and uh, we'll see what happens. Well, good. Like you said, a busy week uh, for the Colts. Um, what were some things you learned this week, especially with Ballard, uh, Okariki, and Walker? Yeah, you know, it, again, it'll be a wide-ranging podcast, but I did want to hit on what Chris Ballard had to say last Thursday since we didn't have a chance to get to that on last week's podcast. And and basically what, what last Thursday was supposed to be was the one time we talked to assistant coaches, um, which we'll get to that a little bit later in the podcast, but Basically, you talk to assistants one time during the spring. Mm-hmm. That's your introduction to them in the offseason. And uh, we started with Brian Baker, who was just a hilarious quote. We'll, we'll hear a little bit of that later. Um, the new defensive line coach. And then Mike Groh, who's a new wideouts coach, who was Philly's offensive coordinator when Frank Reich left Philly. And now, again, he he's come over here and, and is the wideouts coach. And we're about halfway through through the Mike Grow um, Zoom call, and Matt Conti, the head of PR for the Colts, texts uh, the group and is like, uh, "Hold on, after the call, don't log off yet." And my thinking is, "Okay, uh, Chris Ballard, Jim Mercer, or Andrew Luck, one of those three people will will be <laughs> appearing on the call." And yeah, not to freak out fans, but obviously, I didn't really think it was Andrew Luck. But uh, with, with how my world has been from a professional standpoint, you never know. So, it, sure enough, it was Chris Ballard. And um, I thought it was one of the more powerful moments I have had in my work life. Um, Raw, vulnerable, um, real, from the heart. And it it, it was direct. He did not mince words whatsoever. And I thought it was his finest hour as a general manager. And, um, you know, I, I think one thing that I appreciate about Chris Ballard so much, and I really, really respect, I think it'd be difficult to make that amount of money and carry that title to your name and not walk into every room and think you're the smartest guy in there. <laughs> egos are egos, folks. Mm-hmm. And everybody has them. 
And, uh, you know, this is not a shot at his predecessor. There are other GMs around the league that carry a pretty big ego. But I don't feel like Chris Ballard carries that. I feel like he is – I will surround myself with people that can help me make what I think is are the best decisions. And I feel like he's done that with his job. Let, let, let's put the topic of social injustice and racial inequality to, to, to the side for a second. Josh McDaniels leaves him at the altar. What does he do? He listens to Jim Mersey. Bill Pullian's calling him. Tony Dungy's calling him. Hey, you know, you got to look at this Frank Frank Reich guy. Well, you know, Ballard's probably thinking, well, man, I didn't even have Frank Reich on my first seven aims on my list. Mm -hmm. But you can put your ego to the side and say, okay, that's a Hall of Famer talking to me. That's another Hall of Famer talking to me. I can listen to them and make a decision from from then. Um, I think about how he's attacked free agency now, spending a little bit more there. You know, drafting a couple skill guys early. He's altering his thinking. He's open-minded to changing. Uh, you know, he, he has these core beliefs, but he knows there can be some some tweaking. Um, so I, I, I give him credit for speaking up. He easily could have just sat by the statement that the Colts released. He did not need to do that. I don't know how many GMs have done that. Um, I think more have. Here over the past week, Kevin Pritchard, we saw do it on Friday for the for the Pacers as well. Um, but I, I, I didn't think it was just, uh, it was just talking just to talk. I, I thought there was some realness, some rawness, pure emotion from him that, um, that over the past week, whether I'm listening to Malcolm Brogdon talk or Naeem Hines, Bobby Okariki last week, I found myself just almost pushing the recorder to the side and just trying to listen and, you know, Ballard just, man, he just, he, he, he really just struck a chord with me and retelling, you know, some of the stories that he heard in those team meetings. And that's, that's what the Colts did last week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are their normal meetings. They didn't do football. Tuesday, Wednesday, all talk. Thursday, Tony Dungy hopped on the call and, and gave his thoughts. Um, and I, I just think Chris Ballard gets it. Like, again, I believe that he has this passion to want to change and to correct admittedly, his own mistakes. I mean, he said it. 2017, when Darius Butler knelt and Malik Hooker knelt and whoever else, I guess, Cromartie knelt, I think, in 2016, he didn't listen. He, he, he thought he was listening, but he didn't fully listen. But similar to what we've seen with Drew Brees over the last week, everyone is listening. Everyone has to listen. Further educate yourself so that you can get a better understanding of where everyone is coming from in this topic. And Ballard... It's real, but I also want to stress that, like, he has to do it for his job. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he is the general manager of a football team that's 75% African-American. Like, you, you have, like, that is an absolute must to show your employees, for lack of a better term, that you care and you have a genuine interest into listening and, and wanting them to feel like they are being heard. But then also, you, you have to act on it. And that will be kind of the thing to watch now as the rest of the offseason unfolds. And, and once we get into the regular season is how, how do the Colts act? And Ballard said this is going to be a full team thing. This is going to be a 53-person unified um, sort of action. Malcolm Brogdon mentioned that when the Pacers get back in town, they're going to do a march. And, and you know, from a voting standpoint, you know, are you making sure all your guys are registered to vote? You know, I've seen college basketball coaches say we're going to take November 3rd off from practice. That would be election day. You know, just steps like that 
um, meeting with CEO leaders. You know, does everyone kneel during the national anthem? Like, you know, national anthems aren't necessarily broadcasted for every single game on TV. If there's no fans in the building or a limited number, do you do something else? You know, mm-hmm. is instead of the national anthem, maybe there's like a one-minute segment, two-minute segment before every game where you bring the captains to midfield and you're doing something social injustice related. You're you're donating money. You are acknowledging a person in the community. I, I have no idea. I'm just spitballing here um, what could happen. But, again, I thought Ballard was um, – Bauer was was really really good, and, and again, this is not a political debate whatsoever. This is a human life debate, and that's why we're given the time that it deserves. We'll move into football stuff, um, but yeah, I thought it was I thought it was really really good, and um, Frank Reich did did tell two stories that I'll share before we move on on Monday's podcast, and saying that they had a, a well known black player on their team speak up yesterday, or I guess. Last week, Frank was telling the story yesterday of he walked into a, a prominent store here in the Indianapolis area, and immediately the employee at the cash register calls calls security, um, and that black player was just you know stunned and just wanted to walk out of that store. And Frank then told a story from a white player and how he described the white player. It I don't want to act like it was this person, but it it sounded like it was like a Quentin Nelson type of a guy that, that really protects his teammates on the field. And this player was like, I, I know that you guys know me for protecting you on the field, um, but now it's my job um, to try and help protect you off the field as well. And um, I think it's been a very powerful week across the entire NFL and uh, hopefully across the entire country because steps are, are, are needed to be taken. And uh, kudos to the Colts. I, I will say this, and I know that I've – I've uh, dropped a line or two about the Colts trying to win Community Tuesdays before and the uh, and the Pacers, but I do think from a leadership standpoint, Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, and then for the Pacers, Kevin Pritchard and Nate McMillan, those guys get it. They get it, and this is a time in our country where we need to get it, and it is a little bit bigger than, than just the sports that you play. So, uh, again, kudos to Chris Ballard and Frank Reich for how, how they've led their organization over the past uh, week or so. Yeah, that was great, Kevin. Appreciate it. Other things, jumping into football now. Yes, yes. Okariki and the Walker battle. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, this is a topic. You know, we talked to Bobby Okariki last Wednesday, um, and I think this is probably the biggest uh, position battle, maybe position debate that I think fans want to talk about. I actually just posted something on 107.5thefan.com on, uh, on Tuesday morning about it. And one thing that I'm reminded by Okariki is the guy's got a lot of confidence in him. You know, this is a Stanford Stanford kid that that, that carries a little bit of um, just self-belief in him. And, you know, he mentioned, you know, I, I asked him, like, do you feel like you're competing for the Mike job? And that is what Anthony Walker, you know, started at for every single game last season. And Okariki said, yes. You know, at the same time, I feel like I'm going to be the starting Sam at the bare minimum. And that gets into how the Colts divide up those linebacker snaps of Darius Leonard is your will linebacker. That's your Derek Brooks type position in this defense. And then your Mike is more of that, you know, signal caller on early downs. Um, You'll think of that true middle linebacker sort of feel to it. And that's what Anthony Walker has done really since he became a full-time starter a couple seasons ago. And now it comes down to this. 
the cerebral, consistent, durable nature of Walker, or do you take some snaps away from Walker and start to increase the the role for Bobby Okariki? Because when you're calling Bobby Okariki a Pro Bowl caliber player, are you really going to relegate him to reserve duty in his second NFL season? Like, it seems like it's time to start getting that clock going there. We know full well Darius Linder is not coming off the field, and and as he you know he obviously shouldn't be coming off the field. But how you divide up those snaps, does Okariki play more on those early downs? I think that's that's a big storyline to watch this season because Walker is in a contract year as well. And if this was a, a 10 years ago in the NFL, the Colts would have a great problem. They'd have these three linebackers on the field for you know 80% of the snaps, and it would work out really well. But the NFL has evolved. You don't play three linebackers very often. I was crunching some numbers on the top personnel groupings defensively for the Colts last season. And I think I've got this right. Of the top 11 combinations they had on the field last year, Leonard, Walker, Okariki, only on the field for one of those top 11. And I want to say it was like 13 plays they were on the field together. Like that was that was the 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 grouping, um, and the opponent ran it 12 times. So th- that just goes to show you of you get into this pickle where man, it'd be nice to get those three on the field, but then you've got to think about the domino effect. Now Kenny Moore is not playing slot; he's playing outside. So you you lose out on a little bit of maybe his best um, sort of position for this defense, but, um, you know, Walker really never lost a whole lot of playing time last season. He doubled Okariki snaps. And I just feel like this battle, you know, Rocky scene versus Xavier Rhodes for that other outside corner. Those are probably the two that I'm watching the most. Obviously Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor, and in that split carry wise, you know, fantasy owners will be foaming at the mouth. To, to to try to predict that, but uh, this one I'll be I'll be watching Chris because, it, you know, to me it, it's a big indicator of the future of your football team. Obviously Walker in a contract year, a guy that I've always really liked. You know, I've called him kind of a more durable Clayton Gathers, um, but I don't think he gets enough credit for his availability and his reliability, which aren't the biggest compliments. But hell, it's created a ten-year career for Jack Doyle. So it, it can go a long way in the NFL. And then Okariki's this intriguing talent. When he gets drafted, Ballard's obsessed. And, you know, he's got Darius Leonard wingspan and length and, and you know, arm, whatever, arm length, all that stuff. And it's like you see flashes. Do you almost feel like, guys, we have to play him more? It, it'll be an it, – I think it's a very interesting internal battle for this coaching staff. They talked about it last offseason. Never really developed. Mm-hmm. Walker kind of staved him off the whole time. Now here in 2020, I think it could ramp up a little bit. We talked about the access to the assistant coaches last week. You have an article on 107.5 The Fan right now, 10 takeaways from meeting with those Colts assistant coaches. Yeah. And with the Pack podcast today, we can't touch on all 10, so go go read that article um, if you can. But we, I want to touch on three points, okay. if we may, yeah. heading into these tw- before the Twitter questions. One, Obviously, the addition to the Colts, the big one, Phillip Rivers, talking to quarterback coach Marcus Brady and breaking down the 20 interceptions that he had last year. What did we learn? Yeah, you know, Brady, um, he's a guy that's pretty candid 
for an assistant coach, which I really, really appreciate. And and he talked about how when you look at Rivers' picks last year, I want to say Rivers had 20 of them. I think 17 were when they were behind or tied in games. If I'm not mistaken, maybe 15. Um, and then nine came in the fourth quarter. And I think that is the big thing of like, the Colts look at this with Rivers and they're like, we just have a better football team around him. We are not going to ask him to do some of these, you know, crazy is probably too too harsh of a term, but basically, okay, fourth quarter, we're losing. Phillip, you've got to freaking sling it all around the yard to get us back into the game. They're like, we're going to give him a very, a, a much more reliable um, run game, and hopefully, for the Colts' sake, they won't be playing from behind like the Chargers were at so many times last season. I want to say Rivers averaged over 40 passes a game late in the season as well. Those are numbers. The Colts don't want to sniff whatsoever. So, you know, all of it makes sense of like, okay, this is what the Colts are seeing. The 20 interception number is not good whatsoever. Why do they feel like that that is going to be lower? Because they it's not necessarily almost like, we're going to just rein in Phillip Rivers from a decision-making standpoint. They feel like we're going to put you on the field where the game situation is going to dictate you don't feel like you've got to play hero ball. Now, Phillip Rivers has got a little bit of hero ball in him that you just you just can't uncoach, and that's just life. Andrew Luck had some hero ball in him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew would throw so many picks, I feel like, early in games. or He'd, he'd have this amped-up arm, and he'd overthrow people early, and then, he, then he'd settle in and— was a great, great player. but um, So I, I think that's the thing with Rivers. It's play from ahead, four-minute offense stuff, not having to say go win us the game, multi-score deficit sort of stuff. Because if you look at Phillip Rivers in the fourth quarter last year, he stunk, stunk. It's early in the morning for me to use that word, but I'm already <laughs> getting ready to be a dad. We won't say suck. We say stink in the Bowen household. Like, it's... It, it was ugly, folks. It was it was Brissett ugly with more interceptions, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to sit here and act like, you know, this was gravy by any means. There was a reason the Chargers drafted six overall or wherever they ended up taking Herbert. So uh, that's why the Colts feel like those 20 picks won't be as high. Let's stay on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, since the last podcast, we learned that July 28th will be the opening of training camp at the Colts right, facility. Right, right, right. Running back, uh, talking to Tom Rothman, the running back coach, on the transition of Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin to the NFL. And first, I got to talk about Rathman. He is, this dude is a fullback at Nebraska when Nebraska ran the freaking wishbone. Mm-hmm. And listeners of this podcast know that I have two goals in my sports life to see. I want to see an NBA team that presses every single night. You have a 12 man <laughs> roster, hire Shaka Smart. He can't coach at Texas, press every single night. Night. You imagine back to backs, you're relying on your 12 man bent, you know, everybody to come out there and press. And pr- I love it. And then also, I need an NFL team to run the wishbone. I want full Navy, triple option. Uh, just, I, I want three passes a game. I want, you know, Ricky <laughs> Dobbs or whatever his name is, former Navy quarterback, running the show. So shout out to Tom Rathman and the horse collar he used to rock at Nebraska. But he brings up a point here, Chris that I feel like we haven't mentioned with Taylor. Jonathan Taylor ran in probably one of the most advanced pro-style rushing offenses 
you can be in in college football. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just saying that because Wisconsin has great offensive linemen. No, 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 no. The style, inside zone, outside zone, gap scheme, those sorts of things, those concepts we, that we don't really talk too much about, Jonathan Taylor's been in that. And this is not, you know, when Marlon Mack was at South Florida, it was a lot of spread concepts. So when Marlon Mack's coming to the Colts, it's kind of like, oh, we aren't in the shotgun and, you know, they're just sticking it in my belly. Like, right. you know, whatever, 80% of the plays, I'm just throwing out numbers here. But there is just a, without the offseason program, it shouldn't be as much on Jonathan Taylor's plate where, you know, to steal a phrase, you know, whatever, drinking from a fire hose or whatever the mm-hmm. hell it's called, you know, like that that sort of element to it. Um, you know, Rathman's adamant that the fumble issues won't be there for Taylor. I mean, he was honest. He goes, he's got it correct how he holds on to the football. We, from a fundamental standpoint, he doesn't hold on to it like we want our backs to hold on to it. Right. And Rathman will say to Jonathan Taylor, okay, look at Marlon Mack, look at Naeem Hines, look at Jordan Wilkins, look at Jonathan Williams. I want to say that those four guys touched the ball, it's like 460 times last year. Something, something crazy. Oon fumble. Oon. One. It's ridiculous. It it is ridiculous. And I know that I've said this before on the podcast, but I think it bears mentioning. So many people are just like, oh, I'm not worried about Jonathan Taylor's fumbles. You know, he he had so many carries at Wisconsin. Of course he's going to fumble the ball a little bit. But I I took a little bit of another step into it. And I, I know I've mentioned this on the pod, but I'll say it again. You look at Taylor's numbers. He fumbled the ball. I think it was like one out of every like 53rd touch. What does that mean? Last year, the top five rushers in the NFL fumbled at one out of every like 90 touch. So, I mean, there is a fumbling problem I think is a little harsh. There is a concern. There is a question. He's going to get hit a lot more in the NFL. Mm -hmm. He's going to get hit a lot earlier. And you know on every game plan, it is this rookie put the ball on the turf a little bit in college. Let's see if he can carry right. it in the big boy league. So th- this is something to watch. I don't have, like, neon light, you know, feel like I'm at a, you know, uh, whatever that bowling is where you bowl under the neon lights called. You know, I don't have, like, that big of an issue with it. But um, just something worth monitoring. Brian Baker, defensive line coach for the Colts, another character. You can kind of see a trend here with the Colts assistant coaches. All have great personalities. They do, yeah. He talked about his love for defensive tackle Grover Stewart, which I found a little bit interesting. Yeah, shout out to Brian Baker, a kid I went to high school with. Uh, he was on our softball team, Rainbows and Unicorns. A very solid right right fielder out there. Uh, quick hands, had a good bat. Um, Grover Stewart, read off some of these qu- quotes, Chris. What does he call him? He calls him a... Um, calls him a... He's the bouncer of the group. Calls him a Rottweiler. <laughs> When the other guys are greyhounds, uh, says he doesn't snot bubble guys. <laughs> I mean, just awesome. You just love it. Um, he said that the rest of the D line group tells Brian Baker his favorite guy is Grover Stewart, mm-hmm. and I and I mentioned this in here because like I feel like we don't talk about him very much. We don't. We we just don't. Um, you know what you get in Stewart is a different body type. He's three. I, they don't list him at three thirty. He's got to be at least 320. I mean, he's a big, big boy. And I think he's starting. I know Brian Baker said the only two starting spots are that are set are DeForest Buckner and Justin Houston. I guess maybe Sheldon Day could start, but I think 
Grover Stewart starts on first and second down, and this is a contract year for him. I mean, we talk about all these contract year guys. It is for him as well. Um, he really, really likes Stewart. You know, he's mentioned that obviously Autry and Lewis have the versatility to be able to, you know, kind of make up for the for the loss of um, of Jabal Sheard as well. One other thing that I forgot to mention, Chris, on the um, Frank Reich, Jonathan Taylor front from the previous question, Frank compared Jonathan Taylor, called him a faster Matt Forte. Interesting. Yeah. Forte was great out of the backfield. He was. I'll be curious if Taylor can, you know, that's obviously Wisconsin didn't need him <laughs> to catch the ball out of the backfield. I'll never forget Forte, I think, had over 100 yards the first game ever at Lucas Oil Stadium. Mm-hmm. Colts Bears. Yep. Um, I was at that game. Um, but anyways, Grover Stewart, bar bar room brawler. Just quiet guy from the middle of nowhere in Georgia, but he's just a different body type. Like, if Grover Stewart went down, it would not garner, you know, the, the, the lead story on any 6 o'clock news. It would be noteworthy because he's just a different – when you talk about depth on this football team, there's a lot of it, but there's certain spots where there's not a lot of it. And I guess it's kind of hard to get depth everywhere, but it's like, man, as we saw last year, when Kamoko Terry goes down, who's your other speed rusher? You know, when Paris Campbell goes down, who's your other speed white? Like it, there are these spots where it's kind of like you have these unique body types and players and I think Stewart deserves to be mentioned as one of them. And is a big reason why this football team was top 10 last year against the run. Kevin, let's jump into some quarter Twitter questions. Yes, sir. Uh, let's do it. A good amount this week. Like you said, some have been tabled. We'll get to those on the next podcast. This is probably the most I've seen in quite a while. It's a good amount and a, and a wide range, which yeah. we always enjoy. And from people both in this country and outside. With we that do. being said, Locks, a, uh, a big fan of the podcast from Mexico City, Wants to know what does it mean when a player, quote unquote, doesn't play special teams? For example, Quincy Wilson is strong, fast, and can tackle. Why wouldn't he play special teams in order to dress on game days when he played for the Colts? Well, this is a great question. Um, and Quincy Wilson, Chris, I, I probably have this wrong, but I somewhat stand by it. Find me a corner in the NFL last year. And if any of you are bored, just go ahead and dive into this that didn't start and played fewer special team snaps than Quincy Wilson. Like, if you don't start at cornerback, what good are you on game day? Like, corners play special teams. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what they do. They're a gunner. They're a maybe a return man. Like, something like, and Quincy Wilson hardly ever, ever played special teams. And I just think it's honestly just a lack of willingness. You got you to gotta be a little dirty to play special teams. You got to be willing to kind of yeah. mix it up a little bit. And I just think that that tenacity was not there with them. You know, it was, we're going to play Roland Milligan. We're going to play Shaq Taylor. I mean, some of these guys that, you know, people had never heard of. And there was even a point where I got to think of back to the game it was, but where like Wilson didn't dress and Shaq Taylor dressed, or maybe it was Milligan. And that guy didn't even play special teams. It got to a point where Quincy Wilson was losing his defensive presence, and that's when I was like, "Okay, yeah. this is done. He ain't he ain't, he's not gonna be a Colt in 2020." So, I think that's what it was with, with with Wilson. He just lost value as a defender, and that was when you saw that it was kind of like, 
man, it went from you're praising his versatility and he's six one and right. he's two hundred yep. and he can line up in multiple places. But um, you, you got to have a screw loose to play special teams. You know, it, it, it it's not for you know the homecoming king. It, it is for the guy who wants to get a little dirty. Yeah. Um, and I just think the Colts felt like their options were were better also. Now, it's a worthy debate though of like. What means more to your football team? Is it Shaq Taylor playing 10 snaps of special teams, but maybe you lose out on the defensive presence if injuries happen? Or is it Quincy Wilson, who we know isn't a great special teams player, but we're going to go ahead and play him out there and hopefully hide him a little bit. But if an injury happens on defense, we have a better backup corner. Mm -hmm. That's the dilemma. And that's where, you know, maybe I disagreed a little bit with the Colts, but, um, I mean, Quincy Wilson wasn't going to save your season. No. Kevin, if Phillip Rivers wins a Super Bowl with the Colts, where does that put him on the all-time list for quarterbacks in Indy? Or I shouldn't say Indy, just Colts, and that's from Irvin. Irvin. If Rivers wins a Super Bowl with the Colts, where does that put him on the all-time list? Well, I, I th- he's, a, he's a Hall of Famer, definitely. Yeah. Um, all-time list. Oh, boy. I, I, not that high, right? I guess I misread the question. When I first read this, I was thinking in terms of Colts. Like, where would you rank him in Colts? But I guess he does just no, say I mean, this is all, all time. time. Yeah. yeah. I, I, 23rd. I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, you know, I'm just kind of throwing a dart at the board. But, like, I'm almost positive he's never been an all-pro. And if you've never been an all-pro, I would assume you haven't gotten MVP votes. So, like, from an end of it, like, over longevity and consistency, which I think is a big part mm-hmm. of playing the game of football. It's why I think Frank Gore should be a slam dunk Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah. No questions asked. And honestly, I might even argue for him being a first ballot, which some people would be like, he wasn't the all-pro. But running back to me is just a different breed. So there is something to be said for the longevity and the and the consistency. But um, but I can't go any higher. Like he's, I mean, Roethlisberger's won two Super It's just hard because I feel like when a person wins a Super Bowl, you bump him up 10 spots immediately. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Donovan McNabb compared to Rivers. Like, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of these quarterbacks that are, like, kind of similar to him over the last couple decades. I mean, I think he's won a handful of playoff games. Only one in, like, the last 10 years or so. So, yeah, I would say around he's a top 30 quarterback, all top 25 quarterback all time. Um. And when I say, like, if he wins a Super Bowl, he's in the Hall of Fame. I'm not saying first ballot. You know, he'll get in. Yeah. But let's not undermine what, what, what first ballot means. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a good question, Irvin. Hillary wants to know, how do you think the team will handle getting together so late in person? She thinks that we have the right leadership to be successful, but impact on everyone's season seems big. Yeah, I, I, I think the Colts are going to handle it pretty well. I do, and, like, I'm not, like, you know, Frank Reich is acting like the Colts are treating Zoom and, like, <laughs> you know, they are they are giving a 16-0 effort on Zoom. Like, okay, that's fine to say out loud, but, you know, Zoom is still not in-field on, or I should say on-field, in-person work. But I've said this before, and I will say it again. This is where the high-character aspect of the players you've drafted should help you out. Like, okay, Grover Stewart, you're – at home, you know, you're pretty self-motivated. And maybe you won't go to the fridge and grab, you know, okay, one more scoop of ice cream. Right. 
for Big Grove, you know, like, you know, it's it's like it's those things. And we laugh about that stuff, but it's real. I mean, you have to be disciplined mm-hmm. in this setting and this especially the fact that there are some guys in this football team. There are probably a lot of guys in this football team that have not been in the city of Indianapolis since um, when was the last game? They flew back like December 31st, January 1. I mean, literally. And they won't come back until July 28th yeah. when rookies come back. And then the 29th, I think, or maybe it's a, a rookies, I think, are the 22nd and veterans the 28th. Like, they won't be back for, it'll be like a seven-and-a-half-month break. So how are you training? Are you doing it on your own? And that's where the high-character aspect comes into it. We, you know, I, I, I asked Frank Wright yesterday about, um, you know, is Philip Rivers going to throw with his guys? And Frank said, yeah, you know, sounds like something next week in more of a bigger setting. And Stephen Holder had this where it's going to be kind of an offense versus defense seven-on-seven feel. Okay. And I think that's so necessary. Um, you know, I think I mentioned before on, on a couple prior podcasts of, like, we only talk about quarterbacks getting with their wideouts. But, like, it's important for the defense, mm-hmm. especially when you play a lot of zone. You know, you want to make sure that, like, Okay, you know, when I play cover two, that's what Rocky scene means, you know. And when you play cover three or you play whatever, man on the outside and two deep, you know, you know what your guys are thinking, how they interpret that. So um, I think it's an absolute must. And I do think the Colts will handle it better than other teams. How tangible does that look in wins and losses? It's a little harder for me to evaluate. KCS, it seems more and more likely that Hooker and Mack will not get a big second contract with the Colts. Who is your surprise pick for someone in the next year or two that will also miss out on a second deal with the team? Man, Casey, this is good. It's a good question. We got smart listeners. We do. Really do. Um. All right, second deal with the Colts. I assume I can't say Rivers. True <laughs> podcast. You can say whatever. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Joey never gave me that that <laughs> that, that sort of leverage. Um, I assume she she means. Um, I would think expiring first contracts, maybe. Right, right, right. Like, like rookies going into that, yeah, yeah. rookie contracts, yeah, coming to an end. Okay, so twenty seventeen. Who do you got left? You got Walker, Stewart. I mean, I guess Walker, but like, is that a, a big surprise? I, I I don't know. I mean, Stewart to me is coming back. Marlon Mack, obviously, no. Um, so 2018 draft, who do you have there? Darius Leonard, no-brainer. Braden Smith, no-brainer. Naeem Hines, in my opinion, is a no-brainer. Um, okay, he- hear me out on this, and I know this will differ from last podcast. What about Ture? If injuries, you know, mm-hmm. come up again, that Ture checks a lot of great boxes. He doesn't check them all. You know, I mean, there is there. I mean, this guy didn't dress in a game his rookie season because of practice habits. Like, it's there's a lot of intriguing stuff, but it's not every single box. And availability is probably the biggest box. Mm-hmm. 18 games played, I want to say it's in two years. You know, if he misses five, if he misses six games, boy, I mean, that's you can't ignore it. And yeah. maybe a little bit more than that. So. If he plays less than half the season, it's hot water. How can you sit there and be like, here's three year and whatever, 30 some million? I, I, I don't know. So he would be the one that I guess everybody probably pencils as a slam dunk. And it's just kind of like, okay, a lot of high hopes. You still got to make sure that he's dressing every week. 
Jared, who loves the podcast, has a two question for you. One, do you feel that Mo Alley Cox takes the next step forward this year as the number two tight end in 12 personnel, or does Burton slide into that role? Hmm. I think it's Burton. And and all caps if healthy. Yeah. Um, but still I think I think uh Burton is the more unique chess piece. He's the more um you know, he's only six two, but he's a much better blocker than Ebron was. Mm-hmm. So I think when you put Burton on the field, you aren't necessarily like when Ebron was on the field, like the D line shouldn't have even treated it like it was a run play. Like you're just like, Oh yeah, they're gonna throw it. When Burton's on the field, you aren't tipping your hand as much. So I think that will help you. But I mean, Frank was adamant last week. I mean, he they love Mo Alley Cox. Chris Ballard loves Mo Alley, but and he still played a decent amount last year when you, uh, you know, when you went with even when Ebron was healthy, when Ebron Doyle yeah. and Mo Alley were, were all healthy, um, you know, he still played a good amount. But I feel like Burton will be that guy. You know, the past history, those sorts of things. And if Mo Ali Cox can develop as a route runner, then he will be, I think, more into that role. But if Trey Burton's healthy, I think he's going to be used quite a lot. And then an over-under portion for rushing yards and touchdowns in 2020. Over-under, 2,350 yards and 19 touchdowns collectively. <laughs> 2,300 yards? <laughs> it was a miracle the Colts got to 2,000 last year. Um, I'll go under. 2,350 is a lot. Phil Rivers ain't gonna allow that. He's no. gonna be like, "Oh, guys, we got Audible. <laughs> I got, I got some numbers. You know, I got n- nine kids at home to feed. I got to make sure that I'm <laughs> that I'm getting mine in too." Uh, I'll go a hair under there on yards. What 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 did he say on touchdowns? Seventeen touchdowns last year. They had nineteen, or sorry, nineteen touchdowns last year. They had seventeen. He's going seventeen for the over under. No, sorry, nineteen is what he's going over under. Gotcha, gotcha, seventeen gotcha, gotcha. is what they had okay. last year. Um. Dude, touchdowns are so hard to predict. Like, I told you guys the Damian Williams story last mm-hmm. week about the Super I mean, you know, when are they going to give the ball to Quentin Nelson at fullback? When yeah. are they going to throw the ball to the tackle-eligible Anthony Costanzo against the Patriots? And he does his little, what you know, whatever that <laughs> dance was that he did. Um, yeah, I'll say a hair under on uh, on touchdowns. But, again, really, really hard to predict. Nathaniel, hola, Kevin. Oh, loves the hola. pod. Inspired him, and you inspired him to start one of his own. Actually, let's go. Wants to know what game, what game Colts versus Philip Rivers do you remember that you cannot forget, either win or loss? Oh, oh, oh man, Nathaniel, this is a great, great question, boy. I mean, outside of Brady, I don't think there's a quarterback that you think of more with the Colts than than Rivers, especially for our generation. Yeah. Um. The first one is Rivers running his mouth to the fans. Oh uh, eight, I want to say, playoff divisional round maybe. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. Two thousand seven season maybe. <laughs> yeah, Rivers tears ACL. Billy effing Volick <laughs> comes in and beats the Colts. Yeah, I mean that's that's probably the first game. I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think Rivers is six and two all time against the Colts. I mean he he's owned. Yeah. Owned the Colts. There aren't many quarterbacks that can sniff that. And he has. What else comes to prime mind? Prime Colts, too. Yeah, oh, I yeah, mean. prime. For sure. I mean, we're talking Peyton Manning Colts. What else comes to mind? I 
boy, I remember the games out there. Cromartie picked off Manning at least two times, maybe three. Yeah, I think three, maybe. And Vinny missed a chip shot, right? I think it was off the upright. I mean, a short kick for the win. Um, I remember Sproul. I feel like I'm picking all losses, but I guess there are six of them. I remember Sproles running for the um, for the touchdown in the playoff game, overtime game. Clint Session, I think, swung and missed on the. T- you talk about a guy that 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 brought it. That's Clint the first Session. one I think of, and the second one when the Colts opened, I believe, on a Monday night game out in San Diego, and lost to the Chargers. They opened the seat. I think they opened on Monday Night Football. I, I remember, remember they played Monday Night with Pagano out there. I remember being jazzed because it was you know right after college, first time back in the city, looking for a Colts bar downtown to go yeah. to to watch the game, and they just laid an egg. Yeah, I, I remember them losing Monday Night Football. It was the week before they lost to or they beat Peyton here. Peyton's okay, so first maybe it wasn't back. to start the year, but I do remember it being Monday Night. Football. Yeah. Um, win wise, I certainly remember the last meeting. That was here at Lucas Oil. Hilton burns Jason Verrett for the one of the more iconic T.Y. Hilton plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, he converted a fourth down before that, I want to say. And uh, luck to Hilton. What, really one of those plays where Hilton did so much after the catch. I'm pretty sure. I don't think it was very over the top. But, um, yeah. Sorry. Boy, that was ugly. That was, a, <laughs> that was a kind of a depressing little 45 seconds. Hope you fast-forwarded through that. Kevin Scotty wants to know: Can you confirm the rumors of Philip Rivers moving into the Meridian Kessler area? If so, Whoa. what should you and him bring your new neighbor as a housewarming gift? Wow, Scrapper chiming in there. Okay, um, I've heard conflicting reports. I have. You know, there was a there was a rumor that uh, that uh, Phil and the nine kid nine kids, and they haven't said that they're stopping. No, I think he said multiple times. They're going to keep going as long as they're blessed to do so. Seven girls, nine kids. Gosh, just let that sink in. I mean, social distancing's got to be an issue for that family <laughs> at times. You know, like, are they all going to fit in a suite this year at Lucas Oil, or are they going to say, nope, you know, okay, 10 and over, you're in this suite. Uh, we got the babysitter with 10 and under right. in the next suite. I mean, um, I've heard conflicting reports, and, and you know what, Chris Presley, what I've heard is um, Garen Eagles. Caramel action. Let's go for, for for the Rivers family and uh, sending some of the bunch. To, I think one of them is going to college this year. Yes, I believe one of the nine is going to college. And um, yeah, I think uh, I, I've I've heard Carmel. So uh, the last thing I do is is worry about uh, or look into where these people live because I'm I'm you know I want to keep my job and not be <laughs> arrested for stalking these people. So um, yeah, there you go. I, I I think he's I think he's going to Carmel. Jaden wants to know: Do you think fans are in the arenas this upcoming year? I mean, there's there's no more no more impossible question right now to answer than that. Um, but I will because Jaden, you're a loyal listener, and you ask it, so I'm gonna answer it. Do I think fans are in the arenas this upcoming year? I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes. Let's social distance. So let's go here. Odd rows, er, every other row, odd seats for half the games, even seats for the other games. You only get 50% of your ticket package. Okay, that's fair. Something like that. I, I have no idea. Um, you come into the stadium every half hour, okay? So A through D, you come in from 11 a.m. to 11.30. 
and E through H, you come in eleven, you know, eleven thirty and noon. I was reading an article in the Indy Star about um, how the Indy Five Hundred would potentially look, and that it would be a, an app on your phone of saying you're coming into the stadium now, and mm-hmm. you leave the stadium now, and you get a be- you're allowed to go to the concession stands now, and you're allowed to go to the bathroom now. Now, <laughs> fan experience, <laughs> when my bladder needs to go, yeah. I'm sorry, I. I my last name might be Smith. It might be Bowen. Like, you, you never know. I, so how you handle and police that is a whole different animal. But um, what the hell do I – I have no idea. I don't know. Do you, do you sign up for, like, a concession stand goodie bag and you walk in and, like, it's on your seat? I, right. You know, are people going to be willing to – I've sat in Section 223 and Row 7 since the Colts moved in 1984 – are you going to be willing to sit in Section 337? I mean, I have no idea. Do they try and find a loophole with the the whole indoor versus outdoor? Can right. we open the roof now? Oh, boy. Does this count now as being an, an outdoor stadium? I was going to say, Jim Mersey never has to tweet out again. Roof's open or roof's right. closed. Um, that's a good question. Yeah, it's all um, – it is fascinating. It's stuff that I don't want to debate because I'd much rather talk football. But it really is fascinating, thinking about it all. It, it'll make you go crazy. But um, I saw where the Steelers are going to have their training camp at Heinz Field. Why? Two locker rooms. So Smart. they'll put the defense in one locker room, the offense in the other, because, you know, social distancing says the NFL announced that you can't have two lockers within six feet of each other. Do the Colts do that? I don't know. I mean, I, I depending on what Lucas Oil is willing to do mm-hmm. and what type of events they want to have in late July and early August – Theoretically, to me, you could have position meetings and suites. And then you could have team meetings in, like, the Baker Daniels area or wherever those kind of bigger um, seating areas are. Now, you know, it's a little bit awkward, I guess, but it's not that much different than, I guess, being at your own comp. I, I, I don't know. I just crazy ideas to throw around. Colts Law wants to know, many consider Nelson and Buckner at or near the pinnacle of their respective positions. But with them now lining up opposite of each other, is it possible that they will help each other jump to an even new level of dominance? The old Paganoism, iron sharpens iron. Oh, gosh, Chuck. I like Chuck. Um, I don't see how it could hurt. Right? I mean, Buckner had some wild quote. I can't think of it when he was traded here about what what practice means to him. It almost sounded like Chris Ballard had created a player on Madden. (laughs) And it was literally DeForest Buckner's quote. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, and something we haven't talked about for a while, Chris, but we definitely talked about it in January and February. What was the goal that that this offseason create more friction? Yeah. That to me is practicing at a level that you need your players to meet. And if you've got two all pros that are meeting that standard, you would hope 51 other guys are going to meet that standard. So, I mean, both are at such high levels anyway. It's kind of like how much higher can they go? You see pro football focus had Nelson ranked as the fourth best player in the NFL. I did. It's interesting. JMV and I got got in this debate. To me is like the best and the most impactful, I think are two different questions. At his position and how he plays his position, he's probably one of the best players in the NFL. Like top 5. Oh yeah. But when we're talking impactful, you know, it's like the third best quarterback is always going to be better than the best guard. Yeah. You know, it's like Quentin Nelson can be perfect, perfect for 65 snaps. 
and you could score seven points. If your quarterback or your number one wideout is perfect for 65 snaps, you're probably scoring at least at least 21, you know, something sure. like that. It's just um, – but, man, Nelson is a damn good player. Damn good. Dream scenario here from Cody. Colts find a way to make Eason look good in camp and mm. preseason this year and next, assuming Rivers plays two years. Then you trade him to Gruden for draft capital and get your real franchise quarterback – Laughingly, he says, all goes against third-string DBs. <laughs> well, I'm glad Cody can laugh at himself. I, I don't, I'm not laughing at the question, but I'm probably smiling at it. Like, it sounds great, but I think what we have to remind, it's a constant reminder that I do to myself, and seeing the DeAndre Hopkins trade certainly does to me. Guys, NFL trades are weird. They are weird. As soon as a player is drafted, he loses immediate immediate value. Immediate value. DeAndre Hopkins w- was traded for what? He's a top 10 player in the NFL. Top 10 player in the NFL, and he gets traded for chump change, more or less. Like, Jacob, I mean, what, what, what are you going to add? Draft capital? I don't know. Maybe uh, Easton was taken in the fourth round? Mm-hmm. There is nothing Jacob Easton could do in the preseason that would make him worthy of more than a third round. No, <laughs> Like he says, third stringers. You know, it's yeah. So Cody, I like it, kind of, but not really. Um, boy, preseason reps are a must. And and you know, how do preseason reps look this year for the Colts? Yeah, so it's something that I've thought about with this NBA season starting back up. You know, if you're the Bucks, okay, the Bucks are what two two away from the magic number of clinching the one seed, something like that. They got they got eight regular season games left. Okay, let's say the Bucks go um, two and two in their first four, but or you know one and two, but Toronto loses one, so then they've they've clinched the one seed. In a normal year, Budenholzer's probably like, all right, Giannis, sit. Do you say, guys, we got to knock off some rust? We we haven't you know we're one and two. We haven't played in three months. Mm-hmm. Like that's a that's a debate that these coaches are going to have and load management. I mean, holy hell! I don't. Good luck making that decision, Mike Boone, Frank Vogel, as well. So, you know, fast forward to the NFL in the preseason. You know, most thirty-eight-year-old quarterbacks that have started two hundred twenty-four straight games aren't taking a whole lot of snaps in the preseason. Philip Rivers hasn't done anything on field in full team settings. Yeah. Do you play him a little bit more? Do you, it's boy, it's all. Um, I don't have a great answer for it right now. We know Frank Wright does not like playing his starters in the preseason at all. But, um, boy, the balance of how many snaps for Eason, how many snaps for Rivers, how many snaps for Swag. You see Swag and Bursette get into it on Twitter? No. Oh, boy. Yeah. Swag didn't really word his, um, his social... His uh, social injustice tweet, right? And Jacoby, Jacoby pounced on him. So <laughs> I don't know if Swag needs to be on social media. Yeah, sure. yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, Swag's one of those summer break guys that you start to worry about. Have I? Uh, I don't. I don't think I mentioned this yet. Colt schedule right now. Okay, like I said, last week of full team meetings. This week, mm-hmm. next two weeks, one-on-one meetings with position coaches. That will be how they treat. And like I said, Rivers will be doing some stuff. And it sounds like offense, defense, 
on their own, away from coaches. You know, I don't right. know. Go ahead and spy at Carmel High School, Butler. I'll be trying to become a father. Um, looks like they'll be doing some stuff here locally, and then everyone goes their separate ways. You know, like normal summer break, rookies. July 22nd, come back for camp. Veterans, July 28th, first preseason game, August 13th. Crazy. Crazy, man. I really hope it happens. Man, I do. We got Stan back in the chat. Says he's been inactive for a while. He has. Uh, Welcomes me. Stan, nice to meet you. Thanks for listening. He uh, wanted to know about the usage and deployment that you're the most curious to watch between Lewis, Okariki, Banigu, Campbell, Burton, Blackman, mm, the list shit. goes on and Stan, on. Stan, you just list all 53 next time. <laughs> um, I mean, can I say all of them? Seriously. Yeah. Because so many of these guys, you know, especially the defensive guys, you're always curious because, you know, they rotate in, they're in sub-packages. Lewis and Okariki would be usage for sure. Banigu would be development. I've said it before, you know, I think Banigou's got a better chance to be an every-down starter than than Ture. I do. Burton, it's, it's you know, how do you look in this offense? How, how does that compare with what Ebron had? I've talked about Campbell. People know my Campbell thoughts. And then Blackman, it, it's just, it's more health-related. It's health-related development for him. And then obviously Hooker. You know, you, you, you got to think about the impact of, okay, what does Blackman look like in eight games, ten games, six games, however many he plays? And how does that uh, impact Malik Cooker? All right, Kevin, need you to envision this here. Okay. Z Palm has a question. Okay. Playoff football. Yeah. The Colts are defending a five-point lead, fourth and goal from the five. Who are you lining up to guard the team's number one outside receiver? And does that wide receiver affect who you choose, i.e. Tyreek Hill and Mike Evans, assuming that Kenny Moore is in the slot? Oh, it 100% impact. If it, if Kenny Moore's outside, I'm throwing Kenny. Or if uh, Tyree Kill's outside, I'm throwing Kenny Moore outside. I, I'd probably take Kenny Moore. I, I just, I, I have a lot of trust in him. And I know that he'd be giving up, what, seven inches to Mike Evans? Yeah. But um, I just, fourth down, one play, uh, yeah, Xavier Rhodes, Rocky Scene, you got to prove yourself to me before, before I throw you out there. Boy, that's a great question. Five-point leads don't happen very often in the NFL. That's one of those weird numbers. But, um, I mean, honestly, if it's Tyreek or Mike Evans, you got to double, mm-hmm. you know, you got to double, you got to double and bring, bring pressure. But, um, yeah, I mean, my, my trust value at corner, it's Kenny Moore right now. And folks, good luck making that climb to be one A or one B because it's, it, it's a long climb right now. All right, tell Dylan why he is wrong. Rivers is the third best indie quarterback without even taking a snap. Rivers is the third best Indianapolis quarterback. Okay, so he's talking Colts franchise history. Yeah. Yeah. No, you you aren't wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we're talking Indianapolis Colts quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. The Colts have been here since 84. Yeah. Manning, Luck, Rivers. Yep. Yeah, to me it seems pretty obvious. Um I mean, God bless Harbaugh. Love the khakis, but no. Hey, him at four makes perfect sense. Right. I mean, I mean, Jeff George. I mean, like, who else are we throwing? I mean, the Colts were bad, bad, bad football. And I don't mean bad like he's a bad man. I mean, they just, like I said earlier, they stunk. The Colts stunk from 1984 to 90, 
five or whenever Harbaugh led into the AFC title. So, yeah, there's no uh, there's no Johnny U as Indianapolis Colts. So, yeah, no, Dylan, you are – I'm not going to rain on your parade, man. You you are right. Rivers is the best, third best Indy Colts quarterback. Joseph wants to know any updates on Fountain and Vinatieri, how they're doing. Yeah, and I saw Mel ask this question as well about Vinny. Um, Fountain, I think he's doing some field work. I got something to post on him late next week, so check that out. We'll have written content, by the way, on the website throughout Baby Bowen, so don't don't worry about that. Check that out up there. Um, Vinny, I got nothing. You know, I assume he'd be kicking soon, right? Surgery in mm-hmm. December, six month. You would think, but yeah, I, I, I don't. Yeah, I <laughs> I think I've given my my kicker thoughts. Trenton wants to know, with a bunch of key free agents coming up in the next two years, who could you see Ballard using the franchise tag on, and if so, or, or if so, on who? Yeah, this is a good question. Um, boy, the Colts have a lot. You know, I think I talked about it a couple weeks ago, 11, 12 starters potentially as free agents. I mean, that's a shoo. That's a lot. Now, franchise tag. That Maybe Ryan Kelly? I don't know. You know, a lot of it's going to be this whole COVID cap-related thing. What's the salary cap look like next year? Yeah, that I mean that's that's something to keep an eye on as well. Um, boy, I just got a calendar notice that the baby's due date is tomorrow. You talk about a calendar <laughs> notice that really makes you go, oh man, that's not like I've got a meeting with my boss. That's like a, oh man, it's your man, new boss pretty yeah, soon. Yeah, that's a great great point, especially if it's a girl. Oh Yo, boy, yeah. I'm I'm gonna be swimming upstream. Um. Yeah, I mean, who? Kelly? I don't think so. I'd like to think you get a long-term deal. Phillip Rivers? No, right? Hilton? Houston? I I don't really have anybody that's obvious. Mm-hmm. I thought Costanzo maybe, you know, if you did the one-year deal. But, you know, you got the two-year deal done with him. So, it's a good question, Trent. And honestly, that's something I've got to see probably the 2021 cap before I really start putting the puzzle together. Trying to put the puzzle together. Wyatt wants to know, with the signing of fullback Knicks and the drafting of running back Taylor, do you see the team keeping Jordan Wilkins as the fourth running mm. back? Mm. He does, since he envisions Knicks playing more of a fourth tight end role than a running back. He provides such quality depth and special teams play. Thanks, Wyatt, for coming back. You know, I'm sorry I, I got on you for the Adam Vinatieri questions. This is a great, great debate, though. Um, you know, I did a 53-man roster projection, Chris, probably a month ago after the draft, and I had Jordan Wilkins not making the football team. And I don't love it, but you start crunching numbers, folks, and you got a fullback now. What are you going to do with him? That adds to a number. You're going to keep a six wide out. You're going to keep a fourth running back. You're going to keep a fourth tight end. You know, I was going back and forth with somebody on Twitter the other day. They only want to keep eight offensive linemen. Boy, that probably makes Chris Ballard sleep a little uneasy yeah. at night. So, um, Nick's is the fourth tight end. It's kind of mad, you know. Like Roosevelt, Nick's ain't catching passes. There's just so many games to me where you didn't use a fourth running back, and then I also throw in the caveat of like, if an injury happens to Marlon Mack, the fourth running back all of a sudden skyrockets to importance, mm-hmm. and that position has a lo- lot of attrition. So like, I feel like I'm slowly talking about which I always do this with roster projections in the spring. I eventually talk my way out of a couple things. So maybe I will with the Jordan Wilkins thing, but as of right now, I I, I think it's I think it's somewhat up in the air. He's got to prove himself on special teams, and then you know you got to feel good about your other 
okay, I feel good about these five wide hats. I feel good about three tight ends, those sorts of things. Colts fan and Cincy, due to the large size of Philip Rivers' family, which we touched on, will Jim Ursay have to cut back on ticket giveaways as to ensure that the entire Rivers' family can attend home games? I mean, you tell me. 11 people going to a Garen High School football game, that might be half the crowd. I mean, these jabs week after week. I've done nothing wrong to you. Oh, boy. I was a little surprised that they moved all of them. You know? Yeah, because I know that, like you said, the oldest I know is going into college. I don't know which college that would be. I would assume a West Coast college, but now your whole family moves to the Midwest and then they're going to relocate to the South. I don't know how old the other ones are. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, I can't say. Because it's tough. If you're like mid high school or early high school, it's tough to pick up and move. And um, what this indicates to me is another indicator that Philip Rivers thinks he's playing two years. Yeah. You know, which I don't like want to read too much into this family moving, but like it, it is an indicator to me. Uh, and I guess now thinking back on it, like family obviously means a ton to Rivers. You know, he, he remember he stayed in San Diego. Mm-hmm. He would drive the big van, Which is awesome. or he have someone drive a van for him. He wasn't driving the van um, every day from from San Diego to wherever the Chargers complex was. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I think something that like maybe some fans know, maybe some fans don't know. I'd say there's a there's a decent amount of Colts players that have had kids that don't go to school in Indiana. Like, the NFL is the one professional sports league where you really don't need to live in, like I said, there are some people that have not lived in Indianapolis since January 1. Yeah. And, you know, if you make a good amount of money and if the coach gives you Mondays off, I mean, theoretically, you could fly after home games to your home city and stay there Sunday night, Monday night, and fly back. Tuesday night, you know, to Indy, something like that. So, but yeah. Might be interesting to see how many guys who have, or they feel like a lot more time left in the NFL who've gotten so used to being with family that want to bring them with them now. That is a good point. Yeah, that, that that's definitely good. I think Pierre Desir did that when he signed his three-year deal. Unfortunately, he didn't play out that three-year deal. But um, yeah, I mean, we definitely need to update the Indianapolis census because uh, the Rivers family is – has uh, has impacted the whole district game lines for sure. You mentioned the uh, the timetable for the Colts, but Noah wants to know tentative date for camp being set in late July for veterans. When will the rookies show up, and do you think preseason games will happen on time? Yeah, rookies, like I said, July 22nd. Um, you know, I don't. Why? I guess why wouldn't preseason games start? I I. I I don't know. Like, what what will change in a month from preseason games being allowed versus regular season games being allowed? Mm-hmm. Maybe no fans, which might be a blessing for preseason football. But um, I, you know, I don't know. Ninety man roster. I maybe that's too many to have travel. I don't. I will say this. You know, Ballard. Ballard is disappointed that they won't be in front of fans. He likes. I know his first year he didn't do it in front of fans, but like, there is something he thinks to. Every single day, these guys walk out on the practice field, and there's you know X amount of fans in at Grand Park, and players want to deliver. Players want to show up. We're critics as well. Yeah, exactly. They all have social media. They can chirp. So, um, yeah, that is a drawback. I guess I assume there won't be fans allowed this year. I haven't confirmed that, but it's kind of hard to get fans at the Colts complex. I know they had some fans for those Bears joint practices a few years back and Lions maybe, but 
yeah, we're living in a new world. Kevin Darrell hopes you and the family are safe, and his question is, who is more likely to be cut, Taekwon Lewis or Jacoby Brissett? I appreciate that, Daryl. Same to you. Uh, more likely to be cut, Lewis or Brissett? Lewis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Brissett getting cut would be a head-scratcher because it's like, I guess you're saving some money, but not really, I mean, not like, what are you using that money on? That's what I'm saying. You've gotten to the point in the offseason where unless you trade them, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And they see great value in him as a backup. And like I've said, he is. I mean, what? He's a top three backup in the league? You know? So, um, so yeah. Question from someone close to the podcast. This is from Ryan. Oh he wants to know if he can fill in for you uh, when you're on paternity leave. Oh. He will even agree to read questions on air that you tweet at him. And it'll also make you sugar cookies. Oh, boy. I would love some sugar cookies. Um, Ryan Bowen chiming in there. Yeah, Ryan, I think we're just going to take a break, brother. Yeah. Ryan's got a wedding coming up. I think I mentioned that next month. Um, honestly, the Ryan Bowen podcast would consist of, like, complaining about Brian Kelly, hoping Tiger never wins, um... Deep analytics, deep analytics. And, uh, yeah, giving us thoughts on the best dessert places in town. Which, I, I that might be that sounds, That honestly sounds like a pretty good podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, the bitching about Brian <laughs> Kelly can get old really quick. Um, and talking Notre Dame basketball, because that is, that is our love. That is our shared love, without a doubt. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think we're just going to take a break, Ryan. Appreciate that. He, he's about ready to start traveling again. Titleist, sending him out. Nice. Yeah. Golf starting. Love oh, yeah. it. Let's do it. Smooth Smith back with another question. What's more likely, Rivers throws 30 TDs or 15 interceptions? Oh, man. These have been popular, haven't they? Mm-hmm. I, do you think he means at least 15 interceptions? Probably. I, I, I think. I think under on that. I think under on that. Again, I... I I, I think there is something to the better team around him, not taking as many chances, those sorts of things. But, uh, again, touchdowns are tough. Like, ah, hell, you could have Blue come out of the stands and catch a touchdown pass in a game. You know, it's just you never really know. Decent amount left, so we'll try and get through these quickly. Mike wants to know, do you see the Colts using their first-round pick next year on a quarterback or on a left tackle, or will it truly depend on the pick number? Yeah, shout out to Mike. He's he's been in beers with Bowen in person participant before. Um, boy, so much will depend on just what that number is, and I hate to cop out. You know, Costanzo to me, he acts like he's gonna play longer than two years. I still want to draft a tackle early if I'm Chris Ballard, but you know, if Costanzo thinks that, then I I say quarterback. I mean, to me, what your quarterback depth chart is. Rivers, Brissett, Eason this year. Mm-hmm. Next year, it's Rivers, Eason. The year after that, is it just Eason? You know, it's just I kind of would want a quarterback in the fold, but number, where you draft them, you know, what the board looks like, your draft capital, all of that is going to dictate things. Florenzo asks, how do you see us getting a good backup for Costanzo? Would we be comfortable being one injury away from starting Lil Raven Clark? Mm, boy. You're comfortable, Florenzo. I want what you're drinking, man. Florenzo Bowen. Maybe. Never know. I could throw that on the list. Last minute change. <laughs> um, I, I I don't know. I think you just got to live with what you got. Like, to be honest, like, I, I really don't see how you improve the backup left tackle right now. 
I don't, outside of, like, making a substantial trade. So, okay, a team cuts their 10th or 11th offensive lineman in camp and you put a waiver claim in. First off, you got to get that waiver claim. You, you aren't your middle-of-the-pack waiver claim team. So you got to hope that guy falls to you. So I, I don't – Anthony Costanzo, he, he's been one of the more indispensable Colts for years and years and years, and he continues to be this year. Craig has a two-parter for us. Early congratulations on the birth of the, or your newborn, Thanks, obviously. Craig. Thank you. Um, with this two-parter, first, who will be the biggest surprise and the biggest disappointment for the Colts this season? S- secondly, who would you rather re- who, who would you rather a return by Andrew Luck or Aaron Rodgers for the Colts QB in 2021? <laughs> uh, sh- All right, um, let's go with the first one first. What's he saying? Who will be the biggest surprise and biggest disappointment? Yep. Okay. I will say the biggest surprise will be this young defensive end group. You know, and I'm throwing Muhammad in the mix, Banigou in the mix, Ture in there, maybe Lewis sliding over. Yeah, I think they will I think they'll I think they'll step up and play pretty good ball for this team. I'll say biggest disappointment will be the offensive line. And and I say that just because we I feel like we look at this offensive line like that's the best unit in the NFL. So theoretically that kind of sets you up for some failure. Failure is probably too harsh. Um, sets you up for a slight underperformance. Might be the better. Yeah. That's my PR written statement there. But it's just it's tough. And um, if you have an injury, I've talked about that. And then uh, oh, yeah, twenty twenty one. Andrew Luck or Aaron Rodgers? Who would I rather have? Yeah, just for twenty twenty one. You think, or does he mean beyond? If we want to take a literal, just that season, I'm always someone who likes to look beyond. Okay. Uh, just for that season, Rodgers, beyond luck. If luck can promise me he's going to play till he's 40. You know, that that's giving me what? Luck's six days you, older than I am, so he's going to turn. You'll have 32 versus 37. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good. Great call. Look at you. Gosh, you are on top of it. Um, I mean, he's got to look me in the eye and not be like, yeah, I'm going to Conor McGregor it and just and retire every other week. You know, he can't, he can't do that. Like, he's got to be like, which I know that's impossible, but, I mean, if I can get eight years out of luck, yeah, right? Absolutely. What's luck doing? I have no clue. If we get a tell-all, something. I should ask him for dad advice. Lucy Luck's probably about to be one. You can get some play dates in. That'd be awesome. <laughs> you think Luck's, uh, if Luck has a son, what do you think Luck's son will do? Does he join like the architect firm? Yeah, he's probably yeah he's building a new four six. You know he has like all Legos like yeah, oh, yeah. he's just constructing things. Yeah, Lincoln logs like yeah. visiting the eight wonders of the world. You know before he's ten. Right, probably bilingual. Yeah, by oh, three hundred percent. Yeah, I don't know. I'd be curious to see if Luck has a son. What what type of athlete? I mean, Luck's a damn good athlete, and his wife is a Stanford gymnast. Man, like, come on now. Indianapolis area, if you're going to stay here, yeah, we need some. It, Indianapolis has uh, produced some some Olympic gymnasts. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Sam Pezik and um, I forget the other girl from uh, Bridget Sloan. I think her name was Pittsburgh. Sam Pezik, Cathedral High School grad. All right, who we got left? Michael wants to talk about the Colts' defensive front. Do you think the true? Do you think they play a true four three defense now with a variation of cover two scheme behind it? Could the base scheme change with growing and with a, with a growing and new players coming in? I don't think the base will change. I mean, this is an aggressive four man front. 
one gap, you penetrate upfield. I think Brian Baker used the term you you attack. Attack and react, whereas not react first if you're maybe in a 3-4. Um, so I don't get the impression that the scheme's going to evolve too much, but you know me. I'm playing chess. I, I like I, – I should say this, I never play chess. But I, if I were a football coach, I'd like to play chess. And I want to control the board. I want you to have to react to what I am doing. You know? Mm-hmm. Can you do that in the front? Because you don't really do it much in the back, as much in the back as I would like. To me, it's this. Offenses are all about timing and rhythm. So much in today's NFL. How do you disrupt that? Bringing five, bringing six, disrupt the front, and press, man, show man, go zone, show zone, come man. Like, those are the areas where I think you can dictate a lot to where Boom, that ball for Drew Brees is now being pumped a couple times, and he's not completing 97% of his passes again. I mean, 97%. Yeah. This is the NFL, you know? Yeah. Jack's got a question about the Colts Super Bowl uh, contenders. He thinks that most Colts fans would agree that we're still one one year away from being a genuine contender. With the caveat that Phillip Rivers is a top 15 quarterback for this year and next, what do you see the Colts' top three needs going into next offseason being? Mm, that's a good one. Top 15 next year, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, maybe offensive tackle. I know it's not like potential starting job, but I'm, I'm, I'm preparing there. I'd say D-end, if you don't get a clear answer on what that looks like this year. You know, maybe wide out. What happens with Hilton? You know? Corner. Do you need a long corner? What Does Xavier Rose look like he's competent? You know, things like that. So, yeah, those would be some of the positions that I'd throw in there. Maybe tight end. Gosh, I could do this yeah. all day. Safety. safety uh, yeah. I, I don't know. It's nothing like what happens in free agency. You know, Marlon Mack's gone. What about Hilton? What about Hooker? What about Justin Houston? Uh, Trey Burton, you know? Rhodes. I mean, hell, there's so many. I really got to see it play out, Jack. Holden's question for us this week. There hasn't been a lot of talk about Blackman. How do you feel about him as a player moving forward, if he's a multiple contract guy or if he's just a rookie contract dump after his fourth or fifth year kind of guy? You say Holden? Yes. I got a good friend named Holton. 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 Wait, we call Holton the Godin. All right, he wants to know about Julian Blackman. I, I I like the instincts, and I like the cornerback background. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, I think we, we've talked about this before. The involvement of the NFL, I think, has led to the thumpers at safety getting a little bit more extinct. If you can be the hybrid corner safety, that's very attractive. And Blackman plays bigger than six foot one ninety two or whatever he's listed at. Um, I see a little bit of Kari Willis instincts in him, and I think that's what the Colts want. I think they want to be more versatile at safety, which I I can kind of get behind because um, that's more chess pieces, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Now, I will say this. The ACL still worries me. You know, it's you're saying no to Malik Hooker largely because of the ACL. So you're saying yes to Julian Blackman? Because, you know, it, it's just it's, it's a question. I think it's a very fair question. Um, he needs to be a second contract guy. He needs to. 
Um, I think he can be, but, you know, we're kind of talking out two sides of our mouth with the health with Hooker versus the health with Blackham. Jay Cook has a question that mainly revolves or applies to the wide receiver room, but it can also apply to the other positions. Does talent equal less numbers carried on the active roster or is health as healthy a determining factor? Jay Cook, we haven't heard from him in a while. Shout out to him. Uh, mainly about the wideout room. I I think you carry right around five. Like, to me, I don't – some people have chimed in lately and been like, wide receiver is this great depth. And I'm kind of like, does it? You know, like, I think you got four guys for sure. Hilton, Pittman, Campbell, uh, Pascal. But, like, am I going to lose sleep at night if I'm Chris Ballard if I cut Marcus Johnson? You let him sit on the open market for a month this offseason. Ashton Doolin, you're going to lose sleep over. Reese Fountain. I mean, Reese Fountain, who I'm intrigued by, want to see more of. He's played seven snaps in the NFL. Seven. Six are kneel downs. The only other snap dropped touchdown in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. Luckily, it was negated by a penalty. But, like, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know if I see like, oh my gosh, that's a starting wideout number six and number seven. And no, I don't, I don't see that. So, um, I think it'll be talent. Well, I don't know. It's a tough question. I think, yeah, I mean, combo it. Your five most healthy, talented wideouts. That's who makes this football team. Tony wants to know, is there any chance that Leonard or Okarihi take meaningful snaps as defensive end or outside linebacker rushing the quarterback? Ooh. Boy, that's intriguing. Um, I don't think actual, like, hand in the dirt, Tony. But I think from some blitzing standpoints and where you line them up, you know, I could see them coming off the edge, per se. Leonard wants <laughs> – I posted this last week. Leonard, Leonard wants 15 sacks. That is his goal. You know how many sacks? That is so many for an inside linebacker. He has some of the most absurd individual goals that I respect the hell out of. I mean, like, it is crazy some of the numbers he throws out there. Um, check that out if, if you missed the article. But I, I don't know. I mean, do you see more creativity? I, I think you can get by with some of your DNs outside linebackers, but I'm all for unique things. It was unique a few years ago when all of a sudden Kenny Moore started blitzing a ton. And it worked out. Mm -hmm. Sean Watson was kind of running for his life. So, uh, yeah, that's a, that, that's, that's a good thought, Tony. Chad has a question about the position group with the biggest question mark as far as how good they will be. He thinks it would be the secondary, but he's curious to hear what yours would be and why. Yeah, I, I think that's a good one. I would say the secondary would be my biggest question on defense. I would say wide out on offense. You know? I mean, there's still some unknown at wide out. Was Hilton's injuries a fluke last year? Is Michael Pittman ready to be day one impact? What's Paris Campbell giving you in his pseudo-rookie year? Those are three unknowns. Zach Paschal is really the only definite known, I feel like. O-line depth would also be there. And I say that because that group has so much pressure. That group has so much pressure on itself. Because going back to what, what the Colts believe in with the Rivers is this. We're going to be a better football team, and you're going to play behind a better offensive line. So, in the way, they're like, I mean, the offensive line means so much for the run game. Now it means so much for Phillip Rivers. He's not keeping plays alive. He's not. So, I would say offensive line. Not not the starting group, but then when you get into the depth. Well, kind of to piggyback off that then, Mike, who loves the podcast and wants to thank you for the content you always put out, wants to know 
Who do you think the biggest weakness still is? He thinks it's the pass rush. I uh, still think it's going to be dis- difficult to generate pressure without the blitz. Yeah, Mike, thank you for the kind words, and that is a really good question. Yeah, I probably should have thrown pass rush in there because that's what this defense is really about. At its core belief, it's four-man, five-man rush cannot get home consistently. Freeney and Mathis, <laughs> boy, that makes you look pretty good. Um, so can that group get home without the blitz? Because you want to drop so much into coverage. Um, that 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 is a big storyline as well, and that's where a healthy Terre means so freaking much. This year, Omar has the five captains for the Colts being Rivers, Hilton, Leonard, Moore, and Houston. What do you think? Five captains. Give them to me again. Rivers, Hilton, Leonard, Moore, and Houston. I take Houston out, and I, I put in one of those offensive linemen. Nelson, Costanzo, Kelly. I, 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 don't, I don't care, honestly. Just throw one of them in there. That that position group means too much. Like to your football team, not to have one of them in there. Justin Houston, I yeah, I mean he and the Colts, I feel like do like game day captains. Mm-hmm. They're more of like, oh, you're an ex chief. Go ahead, Justin Houston, you're a captain today. Um, those other four, I I mean Hilton, yes, Kenny Moore, duh, Darius Leonard, duh, and your your quarterback better be your captain, a captain, I should say. Um, but yeah, I would say one of those offensive linemen. All right, two more questions here. Big Bama. Wants to Big know, Bama. do you see anyone on offense and defense that fly under the radar in terms of having a huge role in the success of the team that no one is talking about enjoys listening to the podcast? Big Bama, that is an awesome, awesome name, man. Um, I feel like Big Bama's got a deep voice. You know, just if you're going to be named Big Bama, you got to have some clout. I don't think if you, you have a name Big Bama, you can't, after every time you say roll in parentheses, just say tied. Yeah, you kind of just have to. You fall out of bed saying <laughs> Uh Okay, underrated. I feel like Corey Willis, kind of a name. that we, I think you mentioned him last week uh, when we were talking about breakout guy on defense. I don't. I feel like we don't give enough attention to him maybe. Um, and, and like I said earlier, I think for the future of this football team, Ben Banigou emerging would be massive. If he can become a three-down starting defensive end for you for the next handful of years, that would be huge. 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 Um, Offense, I, I don't think we give Braden Smith enough love. I don't. People just hate offensive linemen. There are some... In some core, if you give up a sack, you are hated, mm-hmm. hated. And trying to get over that sack, it has to time. Time's the only thing that can heal it. Time, literally. Take a pancake guy for the next ten plays, and they'd be like, "Oh, nope, that sack still pisses me off." Uh, what about Trey Burton? I don't know. Stays healthy. Tight ends are used a lot. Hell, he, we know he had a huge role in the in the Super Bowl. So yeah, Burton. Last question of the podcast this week comes from an in-studio question. Videographer Cheeks. Ah, Cheeks. Cheeks, what do you got, man? Not a Colts one for you. Okay. Just a general question. First jersey you're buying the baby, it can be any player of any sport. First jersey I'm buying the baby. Wow. Um, Boy, that's a good one. Well, I will say that... Um, Ryan Bowen, my my brother, had bought a red Tiger Woods fist pump shirt that I believe had the phrase, on Sundays we wear red. So 
Um, <laughs> that to me is a jersey. Um, I don't know, maybe like a tiger onesie. If my wife gets mad, I'd be like, oh, the baby's favorite animal is a tiger. I feel like they make tiger noises. I don't know, something like that. Um, yeah, I don't think Maddie would buy that. Uh, that's a good one. Alonzo Mourning was my brother's favorite athlete growing up. I, I would like a um, I would like a Bob Sanders jersey. I don't think they make these baby jerseys, but Bob Sanders. I, I, I love how Bob Sanders represented the game of football. Um, I always liked Barry Larkin growing up. Just smooth, smooth shortstop. Yeah, those would be those would be kind of. All right, current player. Put me on Since the, the baby is about to be here. Yeah, I know. I know. Cheeks, 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 cheeks. Um, Boy, current player. Who do I love that plays the game and they're idolized? Well, I, you know, 3% of our audience will probably know this, but I will go with uh, Pat Connaughton, who was a Notre Dame basketball player who plays for the Bucks. I just tell <laughs> you. Uh, yeah, I love Notre Dame basketball. I love Pat Connaughton. Um, Bonzi Colson would be my other one. That, that that That's what we're calling the baby. Bonzi, he played at Notre Dame. And Bonzi looked like he just ate the whole buffet <laughs> before he came on the court, and then he dropped 30 on you. It, uh, it was one of the more magical things. But honestly, it, it will be Tiger, and it will be Notre Dame gear. That That's what it will be. Right, we have my wife's cousin had three daughters, and she has offered up so many girl clothes. We have a lot of girl clothes. The boy clothes literally in the closet. It's, I think it's four Notre Dame shirts, that Tiger shirt, and that might be it. I mean, we don't have a whole lot of boy clothes. So if that boy pops out, boom, um, folks, we uh, we're gonna we're gonna be needing need, need to do a little shopping, but it will mainly be Tiger and Notre Dame. I gotta think about that one, cheeks. I was good. Current, current, um. I saw. Um, I had a buddy. Let, let me let me see if I can find this. I had a guy that um, tweeted at me that uh, or DM me named his uh, named his baby Peyton. P E I. Here it is. Peyton Michael Black was born at five seventeen a.m. P E I T O N. Peyton uh, uh, after obviously right. the the sheriff in town here. Um, yeah, Peyton was born on Saturday, so shout out to uh, to the Black family there. Um, him and his wife, I believe, had a uh, in the marriage contract that if uh, they had a son, <laughs> Peyton. I, I can't say Maddie's letting me do that, um, but um, I don't know Eldrick Bowen. I, I think it's got a decent ring to it. But there you go. What do I know? All right, shout out Cheeks. We, we got anything else? Was that it? Chris? No, I think that's all. I think we speak for everyone, Cheeks, myself, and all the listeners when we say congrats to you and Maddie. I appreciate um, that. Hopefully the baby comes tomorrow on time. If not, you know, you'll you'll get, what, next Monday, and we just wish you guys the best of luck, and we will be back producing when you are ready to roll. Thank you. Yes, I, I, I appreciate that. I know my wife does as well. And um, I think I said this on last week's podcast, but I genuinely appreciate some of the DMs that I've gotten and just tweets from people. Um about this uh, life event, certainly, that is grander than anything else out there. So I, I appreciate all of that. And uh, we will be back at some point in June, uh, but we'll definitely take a hiatus. That's why we got to so many Twitter questions, and this is probably the longest podcast we've done in uh, in quite a while. So. 
For Chris Presley, Cheeks in studio, uh, I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody be safe out there. Have a great start to your summer. And uh, thanks for listening to this edition of Kevin's Corner.